0: Supergirl Supercast. I'm Trishy Mattson.
1: And I'm David Schaub.
0: And today we're discussing Season 5, Episode 4, In Plain Sight. David, why don't you tell us what happened?
1: The Hunt for Malefic. The DEO tries to hunt Malefic, but Brainy's broken and they need Lena's help. Lena needs Malefic to get her mind control tech working. Malefic incepts Alex and she blames John for everything and John agrees. Lena is helpful, but uses a portal watch to capture Malefic secretly in the final fight. William's secret. Nia and Kara do some serious investigating. This leads Kara into a fight with a baddie-of-the-week airbender, who is introduced and defeated within 45 seconds. We find out that yes, William is actually a good reporter investigating Andrea, but maybe he doesn't know that he's actually investigating Leviathan. The return of Jimmy Olsen. James and Kelly return to a town they grew up in. The town is a mess of corruption with a massive jail and a broken newsman. Kelly and James help a kid, Kelly stops running from the fight, and Jimmy decides to save the town with journalism. Some recaps just write themselves. Ah, yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think you put a little more effort into them than that. At the very beginning, I wasn't sure if that fight scene was real or not uh, between uh, Malefic and the, all the super friends D.E.O. type people. But I guess uh, I guess it was, and Kelly was having a vision of it in the car because her mind, not only can she see Malefic, But her mind is linked to him somehow.
1: At least to his incepting powers. So basically, whenever he incepts, or almost every time, she sees the face of who he is staring at and incepting. Mm -hmm. And it takes a while for her to figure that out. But it's nicely played out as, well, first she just thinks it's just her trauma. And then she thinks this is kind of strange. And then... I expect by the next episodes, she'll know exactly what's going on, and I, I quite liked how they played that out. The first scene actually got me, because when they're playing it out in that attack, it feels entirely wrong, Yeah. but I didn't quite guess why it felt wrong. It felt too weird, everyone was staring strangely, but they caught me, everything was a fake as a trap for Malafac, and it worked really well for me, and I really liked having John and Malefax almost exclusively talking to each other in Martian with subtitles.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: I think that's a nice thing for this show to do.
0: Yes, yes, I appreciate that. Because why would they be talking in English?
1: <laughs> exactly. It's a perfectly fair question.
0: I was a little disappointed that the Run and Hide Kelly plot lasted for just one episode. I thought that was going to be more of a thing, but... um Good for Kelly, I guess, for realizing that she could take the fight back to Malefic.
1: This show is sometimes a bit like Buffy, where Buffy always had that thing where I could see where the plot was going 10 episodes later and all of it happened the next episode. (laughs) And this very much felt like this. I quite liked this episode. It did a good job of all of these things we expected to happen, just went there and did them all and uh, cleared up a lot of things. And I was really quite impressed
0: I was definitely expecting the William subplot to take a lot longer for us to find out that William is actually a good guy, despite his uh, toxic jerkiness or whatever he called it.
1: <laughs> I just refer to him as his jerky McJerk faceness. <laughs> a lot of things got cleaned up, and we'll cover those as we go through the episode.
0: Right. Well, where do you want to go next? <laughs>
1: Well, I think the first thing I'd like to cover is in the uh, hunt for Malifak, not only is Brainy not seeming to be doing very well, but I'd say that Brainy is not running at 100% now.
0: Oh, definitely. He is uh, questioning everything he does because of his relationship problems with Nia. And Lena at one point asks him, what happened to your little boxes that you put your emotions and things into? And he says that he's been working on not doing that anymore because it's bad for relationships, he says. But now he can't compartmentalize, and so that severely badly affects his uh,
1: research, too. Yes, and I quite like how it's hard to interpret how lena acts sometimes but she's just so darn helpful in this episode and so apparently caring and i just i can't quite tell sometimes how that's going to play out
0: i just loved it because the relationship advice that she was giving him was good you know don't make yourself able to ask for help that's the one variable you haven't tried But at the same time, she really was not doing that because she cares about Rainey's relationship problems. (laughs) She was solely doing it to manipulate him so that she could get what she wanted.
1: Yeah, it's really complicated. And I hope they can pull this off with Lena because in some regards, she has compartmentalized. She has so compartmentalized at this point. And we're now seeing the aspects of her character, which I think are honestly aspects of her character. It's just they're walled off from the other strategies and plans that she's working on.
0: Right, well, she can be a good friend. We've seen that in the past. And she can be careful. Caring and interested in other people. We've seen that before. It's just that it's like she's playing a part so that she can uh, achieve her ends. Not anymore that she's caring about these people who have lied to her.
1: (laughs) What got us here, I do not like, but I think they're doing a pretty good job now that we're here.
0: Yes, uh, and uh, as always, I really enjoy her acting. It's, It's just spot on for... Just a little too kind, a little too helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: It's just just enough that someone you would think could see that maybe this is a facade, but uh, she doesn't let anything out. Right. (laughs) When she was trying to help, and this episode was mostly how many ways can we torture John? Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the ways they were torturing John was with the phantom zone projector. And apparently Brainy is constantly failing and shooting these beams that basically just cause John huge amounts of pain. I'm not quite sure what success was supposed to look like, though. What was it supposed to do? I'm assuming they're not trying to push him into the phantom zone. It just seemed to be like, here, let's make sure you understand that this is the episode where we torture John.
0: I didn't try to figure out too hard what they were actually doing. (laughs) Yes, they they were running tests, and they needed uh, Jean because he's the only other Martian around besides Malefic. But yeah, they were doing experiments. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
1: I'm not going to worry about it. I can I can put that in a little box. I can do it. Yes. <laughs> One of the things that this is going to open up, of course, is we now have them walking around with phantom zone projectors. So if they can do this in general, boy, they're going to reduce the DEO paperwork. They can just take the baddies and just throw them into the phantom zone. We'll see how often that happens going forward.
0: So I guess that could uh, reduce the need for big jails in Calvintown.
1: Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. If you just get rid of them, that doesn't make them as much of a moneymaker. But we're not there yet. (laughs) In this plot, there's two scenes between Alex and John. And of course, first we get the scene where Alex is going on and on about this is not your fault. And in theory, this is just rubbing it in to John and uh, setting up the leader scene where Alex is going to say, It is your fault. But I'm still of the opinion that I don't see why Malefic is that annoyed by this specific thing. In many regards, I think John is feeling bad because John feels bad about it, not because he did anything particularly horrible to Malefic? but i think i just have to compartmentalize that one and just let that go
0: it's a horrible crime among his people to have erased the memory you know it, it was pretty awful to isolate him
1: to ostracize Malefic. absolutely instead of healing him. but that was really his father's call well true i think they're letting miran off a little easily in the storyline yes It was a nice first scene with Alex, where you see the nice Alex.
0: Yeah, Alex goes through some changes in this episode. But I really enjoyed later when Alex was talking to Jean on the balcony, and that's where she did blame him.
1: Evil Alex.
0: Well, controlled Alex. um, (laughs) Did uh, tell him he was a monster for what he did. And I really enjoyed that Malefic didn't just have her Straight up shoot him the next time she got him alone. It's not just about obliterating Jean for Malefic. He wants Jean to feel bad about what he did. <laughs> and he does a pretty good job of that. Yeah, I must say.
1: I really did like the scene. I have issues with. Malefic's views in this perspective, but the scene is just wonderful and the evil Alex ripping John apart in exactly the way that John has been ripping himself apart and the emotions at least run so true. Right. My only little oddity, not only can Malefic incept people, but apparently the people he incepts can also incept other people, which is quite the interesting power.
0: So there's... Some slight continuity for that, Uh, I won't say justification, but at least continuity, in that his incepting Kelly gave Kelly powers, uh, the power to see through his uh, shapeshifts. And in this episode, we find out also the power to see what he say- sees.
1: There were two points in the episode where they basically brought in these Martian uh, detection systems from the DEO to try and stop him from stinking in. But the moment Alex sees the glowing green eyes, she instantly figures out exactly what happened. And that's almost mirrored as well when John finds out that Nia isn't the one who let the secret out, John instantly realizes, oh, that's actually what's going on. So there's points in time where they're not quite playing these characters as dummy. They're trying to be play them smart. Right. It's a little odd. They didn't think about these possibilities beforehand, but at least as soon as the data is available, their brains will instantly say, okay, I actually now have new information. Now I understand what's actually going on. And both of them are very fast. And it helps keep the pace of the episode going really well, too.
0: Yes, uh, it's perhaps slightly telescoped. But um, it seems fair enough in that these are, you know, smart people with uh, histories of detecting and figuring out things that they would be able to Oh, leap to the right conclusions once they get the proper prompts.
1: There is then the big final fight in this plot plotline. I, I, I'll only note one thing, which is wherever they were, I don't know where that set was, but it wasn't a planetarium.
0: <laughs> it was a thing with a
1: big projection screen. So, like a theater? Maybe, maybe a, a room in a university. I'm not quite sure where that said is. There is a planetarium in Vancouver, so maybe they thought they could film it there and then it didn't work out. I don't know. But yeah, not a planetarium. The credit I gave the show in the last episode for not bizarrely reusing previous footage from the show on screens, I think I might have to pull that back a little bit. Because not only does Melifax set up this confrontation in the planetarium, but he also has the time to set up the projectors to display previous memories <laughs> of Mars that we saw that weren't, I don't think, even from his perspective on the screen. I don't know what this show is doing here.
0: I also liked, you know, the voiceover that Alex was doing of the horrible things that Jean did. Again, <laughs> telling these people that she didn't need to convince he was evil, uh, or Malefic didn't need to convince Jean was evil, because. He already controlled them. So what's the point? I guess it's just a rub salt in John's
1: wounds. There's a lot of that also, because John also apologizes for a ton of things as he tries to, I suppose, jar Malefic's control of Alex just a little bit. Though, to be fair, everything he apologizes for are the things he should apologize for, Mm -hmm. but they're really all his father's fault. Um, it was still all of the ostracization and the fact that they didn't try and help him and they just locked him up and all of that. I I think those were all certainly valid things for Malefax to be really pissed off about. I don't think John was the one who really did those, though.
0: Well, he did do the mind wipe. It's kind of terrifying if, you know, a whatever he was, an adolescent could suddenly erase the memory of someone from the entire Martian consciousness, uh, if any Martian has the power to erase all the other green Martians' memories.
1: I was thinking at the end of the episode that John is the Martian hive mind at this point. Mm-hmm. Because he is the only green Martian who, as far as we know, has the ability to have a hive mind. And he's lost most of the Martians' memories. So there really isn't a lot to fight over there. But that doesn't eradicate the initial sin, sure. The only thing I I, I quite appreciated was kelly and james then pop back from their plot line at this point to join in the fight kelly is certainly proves herself useful as a malefic hunter but i really like was they send supergirl and guardian out to get rid of all these bizarre little laser guns that everyone's shooting supergirl takes out about 50 of them and guardian takes down one (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he is just a guy in a in body armor basically.
1: Before we get to the final scene, there is also the obligatory super friend reference in this episode. We are told that Lena is officially a super friend. We have t-shirts and a handshake. Uh,
0: yeah, but oh man, when 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 Kara said that it just sounded so condescending. Um, you know, thanks for helping us with our project. Now I can call you a super friend and I don't know if I saw Lena stiffen a little or if I just imagined it. um, But, I mean, she's a good actress, so she kept the smile looking pretty natural on her face. But, I mean, it just sounds, if you're not in on the joke, (laughs) it must have sounded so condescending to Lena.
1: Well, certainly given where Lena is, absolutely. Right. And there's a couple other scenes in this episode where... I think Supergirl comes off a little on the cocky side in how she communicates things. Yes. But yes, we should get to the last scene. And that is, of course, that Lena has lied, of course, to Brainy, hasn't actually gotten the Phantom Zone projector working, but has used the components of a portal watch. And again, I have no idea how these portal watches target their portals. I'm pretty sure they target on the basis of plot. But now she basically has changed the Phantom Zone projector gun to be a portal generator. So when they shoot Malefic with the Phantom Zone projector, all it does is portal him into Lena's jail. Yes.
0: I do wonder, Brainy being Brainy, wouldn't he... Want to go back and check the math and see what he was doing wrong to the phantom zone before?
1: and in fact, they were torturing John so many times. You think they'd want to torture him one more time to test. <laughs> it. so I, I agree that Lena must have um, timed it well or some something to have gotten away with it. her Her plan is a little on the fragile side there, but i'll I'll give that a pass.
0: <laughs> maybe she's so brilliant that she actually figured out how to do it and then just, Changed the settings back to Phantom Zone portal after she teleported him to the lab.
1: That is certainly possible. But the real problem for Lena, of course, is Lena and Malefax don't realize that she's going to need Malefax to incept to in order to scan it to fix her mind control tech, because everyone needs their own mind control tech. Probably three different parties have it now. <laughs> but the second they do that, Kelly's going to notice.
0: Right. I don't think... He- Lena knows about that though.
1: Nope, absolutely not.
0: Right. She wasn't, Lena wasn't at the fight. She was in the lab. So Kelly will get visions, um, think, how, how can I be getting visions? I thought that he was in the, Malefic was in the Phantom Zone. And eventually we'll figure out. Maybe not eventually, maybe ne- next episode.
1: <laughs> I would expect we'll see that next episode. And the most likely thing that Kelly will see is Eve's face. Which is also going to be confusing to everyone. Mm-hmm, right. Because who else would be used for a test?
0: <laughs> okay. So shall we move to the William Day plot?
1: Yes. The one where Nia describes that this is starting to get a bit worldwide assassiny. <laughs> I think it's going to get a lot more like that, Nia.
0: Yes, definitely. Right. So we have a little bit of plot happening in Mexico, but basically it's just that there is organized crime in mexico so they are trying to investigate an accountant and there's a body substitution plot but basically, it all leads back to an apartment in National City with a wall of conspiracy with, with pictures and threads. Kara is examining this when William walks into the, the apartment, or rather, Supergirl is examining it. The door opens and Supergirl quick changes back to Kara.
1: Her little nanotech suit does change very quickly. Indeed. <laughs> And I'm okay with that.
0: Right. So, Williams, what are you doing here? And Kara is throwing back many facts that she has found out about him into his face. And uh, he says, I'm not evil. I'm undercover. (laughs) basically. He doesn't use that
1: line. I'm just pretending to be scum. Right. <laughs> Nothing really surprising. This seemed to be the most likely outcome for William.
0: Right. You called it for him several episodes ago that uh, that he's not really a toxic jerk. He's, he's just pretending to be a toxic jerk.
1: Hmm. And that makes it all better. <laughs> it doesn't quite explain the payoff. I'm a little confused as to that part of the plot. I wouldn't think that's necessary as a part of what he was doing but i may have missed something there
0: well overall plot aside the one thing that made me really gleeful was when william was saying oh i've had to pretend to be this awful person but now you know who i am and i can be honest with you and i can be my real self with you and uh you know i have someone i can talk to and so it's the secrets thing all over again because, of course, Kara does not know William well enough to be honest back with him.
1: (laughs) And to be fair, I think that would be ill-advised. If you're going to have a secret identity... It is justifiable to generally keep it secret from reporters.
0: Indeed, but I just loved the irony of, you know, now Kara finally got honest with Lena, and now here's someone who thinks he can be Kara's friend, and there's a wall between them that he
1: doesn't know about. The question I, I almost hate to ask is whether the show is going to try and ship these two. I hope not. That's where I am. I don't know. I'm not
0: seeing chemistry between them, but they they will almost certainly get thrown together a lot as the uh, Leviathan plot advances throughout the season.
1: And I do like it that while he's investigating this maze of complicated illegal activity and none of the lines actually connect to Andrea in the center. Yes, <laughs> That was a very, very cute board that they put (laughs) up, just to make it very clear. I have all of this information and nothing connects to this person, which I know is connected. Though we do know there were some connections, because we saw pictures of Andrea with the geneticist uh, from previous episodes. Mm -hmm. It is certainly still implied that William doesn't know that he's actually almost certainly investigating Leviathan and their pyramid scheme of assassins of varying quality. I wonder if there's a chance that actually William is going to have another turn, and he could still end up being Leviathan, but it's not very likely, Um, or being tricked by them at least.
0: Yeah, I would be okay with him being tricked by them, but um, I'd rather it not turn out that he's bad, he's good, he's bad. (laughs) You know, I'd rather we actually know what he's doing now. But yeah, he could be manipulated somehow.
1: I have some feelings about a uh, scene when Kara is investigating the uh, Obsidian Accountant's uh, apartment. Uh, the first one being, I quite like my question from last episode of how often are we going to keep getting baddies of the week? And I think this is about as thin of a baddie of a week that they can possibly have. We don't find out her name. She's defeated in 45 seconds. Basically, the only th- reason she's at all dangerous is Kara for some reason. Reason Beyond Me decides to use her breath weapon against an airbender. Not a good plan, obviously. But the thing that hit me the most was after Kara Danvers is launched out of the window, as she was pretending to be the accountant, Mm -hmm. Supergirl breaks down the door and says, in quite the cocky tone, I'd say, Hey, you really could have hurt that lady. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think Kara actually can quite hold a straight face while saying that.
0: Not really, no.
1: (laughs) I think she finds it too funny, too. I, I think there's a reason everyone finds out eventually who she is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not naturally a skullduggery type person.
1: <laughs> no, she really isn't.
0: You're right. I don't think they could be more minimalist for a baddie of the week than that. And I, I thought it was unnecessary and distracting, but at least it was over soon. <laughs>
1: It was over fast. I thought it was kind of an entertaining little fight. We'll see if that character shows up because they captured an assassin without an assassin being killed by another assassin. Mm-hmm. So that was an uh, improvement from last episode. So perhaps this one actually knows something. So that, that would be the only reason I would assume why they had this was for the having the capture. Yep.
0: Anything more about William? No.
1: Nope. I think we have a couple more details to work out as maybe they get together to try and plan what Andrea is up to, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. I, I'm happy they actually pushed this so quickly. I think that works much better than having to deal with jerky McJerk faces being presented so badly so constantly. At least we're over that.
0: Right. Uh, we'll probably see some more scenes of him being jerky in public, but now there will be the I know that you know that I'm not really a jerk while well, he does that, so that will. Make those scenes a little more interesting anyway.
1: Everyone has their secrets.
0: (laughs) That's right. So uh, I guess that takes us next to the secret of Calvintown, although it's not really all that secret. So the big prison, which I assume is a for-profit prison, turns out to be a bad thing. Who would have guessed that?
1: (laughs) I think big prison is an understatement. I was looking at that weird graphic they used when they looked up from the car. That prison is monstrous. (laughs) It is hundreds of feet tall. It's monstrous. The hill goes down, and then the prison rises up. Yeah. This show, as tending to be a little on the heavy-handed side, is obviously not on the side of for-profit prisons.
0: (laughs) I assume that, you know, one of the county commissioners has a brother in real estate, and another one, you know, has connections to the cement industry. (laughs) (laughs)
1: How big do you want this thing anyway?
0: Right, right. Well, I mean, there have been actual kickback scams uh, in Pennsylvania where a judge was receiving money under the table from a prison for all the harsh sentences he was giving to uh, usually juvenile offenders. I mean, prison corruption is a real thing. And for-profit prisons are definitely an extremely plausible plot point here. So I was interested to see that little bit of reality
1: <laughs> in the show. This show is certainly dealing with a real issue, and it is dealing with it like a sledgehammer. Yes. And I'm okay with that, really. I am a very strong believer myself that having for-profit organizations that profit from the woes of society is not optimally a good thing because because the more things that go wrong in society, the more money someone's making. Mm-hmm. Wrong profit motive. Mm-hmm. There's a dangerous path there. So I'm I'm all for this show ripping into it, even if it is a little on the heavy-handed side.
0: Yeah, well, you know, there have been things that this show has handled with a delicate touch, but it's usually not the villains.
1: <laughs> well, they needed to make it really clear that this is something that James can rescue with journalism.
0: Yes, So, James, he's been offered all kinds of interesting jobs from running for the Senate to running the Smithsonian, or or their PR department or something, but uh, he decides that he is going to go back to his roots uh, in Calvintown and help the little people on an on-the-ground level. And... I'm okay with that. I mean, I I don't love that he's leaving the show, but a lot of the time I didn't like what they did with his character anyway.
1: I think this is a bit of a stretch, and I think there's actually some failing in the messaging here, but it's fine. And I think it's a perfectly good way of wrapping up his character, and I think it'll work all right. But it is interesting.
0: And I do really, really love that he's decided, don't call me Chief, call me Jimmy. So he's going back to, you know, the little guy with the heart instead of the Catco CEO who didn't really work as that anyway.
1: <laughs> uh, but is he really the little guy? I don't know.
0: Well, he has enough money to buy a paper. I don't know how much money he really has.
1: That's an important question, I think. I missed what the headline was on the paper when I first saw it. So I missed that when they were saying, Nelson taught me everything I know about journalistic integrity, I missed that the paper they were holding had the headline, prison jobs boost local economy exclamation mark
0: (laughs) yes that was
1: not foreshadowing at all
0: (laughs) yeah i had seen that and you know small town papers do give big headlines to economy stories especially local jobs that was perhaps a bit excessive but it's fine it's television for journalism.
1: <laughs> I would think there are rules against using exclamation marks and headlines.
0: Well, I mean, who's going to enforce those rules? Nobody. It's more of a moray.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I suppose. And and obviously, the broken newsman is not in that position.
0: That's right. He needs to sell some papers and justify those advertising contracts.
1: They go into the news office, and they basically tried to build this news office to look as little like CatCo as physically possible. <laughs> It is on the ground floor. It's basically one room. They found like 25-year-old 15-inch CRT screens to put on all the desks. (laughs) It is remarkable.
0: Right. The decor is wooden and yellow-brown rather than
1: glass and steel. Catco is all white and plastic and glass.
0: Right, right.
1: (laughs) The distinction is huge
0: yes you know fair i've i've worked at newspapers that were converted banks you know little offices big offices uh they often you know fit into odd little corners especially the smaller the paper they are but uh you know it it was just fine as as shorthand for this is a small town newspaper
1: absolutely in fact a small town newspaper from the 1990s at the best (laughs) (laughs) right
0: Outdated computer equipment is absolutely a thing in journalism. <laughs> Maybe not at CatCo, but at a lot of papers I've worked at.
1: <laughs> did, I think, have some issues that Simon, the new Jimmy, was so offended at James going home right after being told that James was going to cover the legal costs for his mother. I thought that was a little too quick on that transition there.
0: Um. I was okay with it he He got his hopes up he uh felt a little disappointed, but yeah, absolutely having someone help his mom with legal costs was was a huge deal but yeah, I can understand the personal disappointment too.
1: And he's a kid. And he's a kid. <laughs> it is definitely showing. We're going to make sure you understand that James and Kelly are really nice people here. Yes, as they invite over the squatters for dinner. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, they invite a squatter for dinner.
1: The extras don't get to come.
0: And I love that the home cooked meal was a pizza. <laughs> I don't think that that was a homemade dough or anything like that. I I think it was store bought. Maybe DiGiorno's, but store bought. <laughs>
1: To be fair, it looks like they got the ingredients out of a convenience store.
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, I did enjoy, as you pointed out uh, in Slack, that none of the convenience store products had
1: labels on them, or at least none that were legible. They took all of the items on the shelves and rotated them backwards. Sometimes I don't notice the set things, but for some reason this episode, the the set dressing just kept showing up in my eyes going, wow, that is bizarre. <laughs>
0: Well, this is Calvin Town. We can't afford name brands. We buy generic here.
1: (laughs) I briefly was wondering whether that was some attempt at some deep reference to the need for reform and Calvinism, but I'm not going to try and dig into that. Best scene, I think, of all of the Calvintown stuff was when Kelly basically called James out on the fact that he would never be running from a fight, so why should she? And and that was, I think, a very necessary scene, and I really quite liked how that played out.
0: Absolutely. That was a a well-done little mini arc there.
1: If only because Kelly has by far the most ability to track and hunt. Malefax. It wasn't likely that Malefax was going to go after Kelly that much, and Kelly's value to the DEO would be much higher. So her reasoning is sound.
0: Right. It wasn't like Kelly was just saying, that guy can't chase me out of town. She had absolute positive input in helping in the fight against him.
1: I really quite liked that. And James, of course, was not about to say things bad about people trying to be superheroes.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I think that's about all the points that... I wanted to bring up, do you have anything else you want to talk about today?
1: Well, at the bar, they get together and uh, Kelly and Alex say they'd like to go back and not be on the front line so much and just have cuddles and Netflix, which is pretty cute. Yeah. I expect that Kelly is not going to get that. She is going to be on the front line a little more because Malefica, of course, is not actually gone. We also get a nice scene completing the Brainy and Nia relationship problems where they seem to be realizing that, or at least Brainy is realizing, that they may just need to work on that together. And then that was nice to see.
0: Yeah, I did like that. I feel like it's okay to stumble in your relationships and think you can't, you know, for, for him to have said earlier that uh, this is my problem to work out, which in a way was good because it was definitely not laying blame on her, but it was also closed off and and Brainy does need friends to help him figure out this relationship stuff. So I'm glad that they didn't drag out the fight for a long time. You know, I'm sure they'll have further problems, but I'm happy that this at least didn't get dragged out for a long time.
1: Oh, yeah. This, this episode, in all ways, moves really quickly and it wrapped up a lot of stuff. So, in many regards, we're going to now see maybe the next episode being what more of the rest of the season looks like. All the setup is now done.
0: Right. I am pleased that they have moved quickly on a lot of plot lines that could have potentially been dragged out for a while. And I hope that that means we have a lot more interesting stuff coming down the pipe.
1: One thing about James's goodbye speech, which was perfectly nice, but it did make me start thinking that perhaps Nelson was right because isn't in fact just James someone with the wealth and power to have journalistic integrity? He's probably planning on bankrolling that newspaper for a period of time to fight corruption. And I wonder, ah, mm-hmm. that doesn't really prove Nelson's decisions wrong.
0: Right. He He had some tough decisions to face that is going to be something that James probably does not have to face. James may be in physical danger or something in a a future plot line, but he probably won't spend a whole lot of time figuring out how he can make budget this month.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) In our previous conversations about the bizarreness of the non-compete clauses in their contracts, I'm not entirely sure if owning a competitor would not be covered by a non-compete (laughs) cause. Right. Rather than just being hired by a competitor.
0: It all depends on the language in the
1: contract. Ah, maybe a loophole was left by Lena or uh, Andrea there, so... By Andrea, yes. (laughs) I'll let them get away with that. The non-complete cause was ridiculous to begin with. (laughs) There was just one more scene where we see uh, Jimmy apparently hiring Simon on as a photographer for the newspaper, which, of course, is a very sweet scene as we get a new young Jimmy and we get, in fact, James taking on the name of Jimmy again. This is also another part where the set dressing kind of got in the way as well. Just the concept because Jimmy gives Simon his old film camera that was given to him by his father. And I'm pretty sure there is no newspaper in North America where the photojournalists use film.
0: Oh, I don't know. That's a pretty old-fashioned office there. They
1: probably still have a functioning (laughs) darkroom. I have difficulty imagining it. But when I was watching that scene, debating that, I found it even funnier when the camera that James was passing Simon was about a one-year-old digital SLR. And that was the part where I thought it was so funny that not even the prop department could bother finding a film camera. For this scene <laughs> which could possibly defend the use of a film camera in this newspaper and that was the bit that just blew me away <laughs> i'm pretty sure it was a nikon d3400 i'm not entirely sure but that was funny
0: yes yes it was i don't know i think a small town newsroom might be perfectly okay with camera phone ca- photos uh but camera
1: phone photos i believe Sure.
0: Anyway, it's right. It's it's there there are other things to quibble about, but you know, yes, they're wrong. They're absolutely wrong. <laughs> but it's a minor detail that probably could have been fixed fairly quickly and cheaply, but it is what it is.
1: Now that everything's in place for, I think, a lot of the plots for the season, I'm very looking forward to the next episode. This probably was my favorite episode so far of the season. It
0: was fine. I don't think I have a favorite yet.
1: Well, we'll see how the rest of the season goes.
0: Right. In other super news, there is going to be a Superman and Lois Lane show. I'm not sure what they're calling it, but I'm glad uh, we both like Tyler Heckler as uh, Clark and Superman and the Lois actress is fine I, you know we haven't really seen enough scenes from her to say she's great or she's you know only so-so but you know she's been fine in the scenes we've seen her in and i'm pretty intrigued to uh, hear something along the lines that you know they're going to be doing a work-life baby balance in the show which will be fun it will certainly be different from most other cw shows we've seen and uh, I look forward to that next year or whenever it's coming out.
1: I look forward to all CW shows that don't burn me like The Flash and have to have the boyfriend lying to the girlfriend about who he is for so many seasons.
0: True. Well, I didn't watch the early seasons of Flash, um, but certainly there was tons and tons of lying in Arrow, <laughs> which is one reason I never got into that show. But yes, we're starting out with a stable married relationship and a show. And I'm sure they'll have fights once in a while, but hopefully that will won't be the problems that they face. They'll be facing other problems.
1: But definitely an interesting change from CW, though Black Lightning does that as well.
0: Yes, there is lots of family and relationship dynamic stuff that happens on that show that's really interesting. The uh, somewhat overproductive overly rigid father who, you know, ends up driving his daughters farther away instead of holding things together. But he really does love them and he really is trying to protect them. You know, there's just lots of interesting things on that show too. So um, yay that they're working on that. On Supergirl, we basically have romantic relationships and friend relationships and parents once in a while, but it's mainly peer relationships, and maybe that's what we'll get in the new show, too. But anyway, I'm interested to see them having a real fi- family dynamic on that
1: one, too. It'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Any other topics? Or is that pretty much covered it?
1: I think I'm good for the week.
0: Okay. Well... As always, a good conversation with you, David. Happy to be here. I'd like to thank The Incomparable for hosting our show. And I'd like to thank our listeners. If you would like to continue the conversation with us, you can find us on Twitter at SGSupercast or on The Incomparable members Slack, probably on the TV subchannel. And, well, I guess we'll be talking to you later. Thanks.
1: Bye-bye.